I'd love to introduce our speaker to you this uh, afternoon. Roger, would you please come up, please? Roger Schoons. Uh, some of you may have heard of this name. Roger and Evis. Evis is right there behind Wills. Uh, yes, I've been in association with Roger for kind of a loose way in the city for many, many years. And uh, to my shame this week, when I invited Roger to come to speak to us, I found that I couldn't introduce him. I really couldn't introduce him. Apart from just knowing that he's one of the fellow ministers here in the city, I had no other uh, information about you, Roger. So I thought perhaps the best way to introduce you is to, is to ask you a few questions, if you don't mind, putting you on the spot. Uh, where, where do you and Avis hail from? Uh, we are South Islanders. We were born and bred in Dunedin. Uh-huh. That's where we, we were, and we met there. Uh, we were involved in Boys Brigade for years, and we met and fell in love and got married and all that kind of stuff that you celebrate this week, uh, you know, Valentine's Day and all that. Yep, so it's uh, Dunedin. Okay. Yep. All right. I've, I've just remembered something. I'm supposed to announce that Sunday school is on today. So, little kids, if you have Sunday school classes to go to, now's the time. All right. Uh, so, how, how were you called into the ministry? W- did you start ministry at a young age, or you no. did some other professional no, I, work? No, I'm a, um, a carpenter by trade, and uh, then I spent about um, what, 10 years or so, it might be longer than that, in the fiberglass industry, uh, and then uh, we made redundant twice in my life, and... Uh, we were called to actually go to the Baptist Youth Camp in Palmerston. Uh, as I keep telling my people, that's the real Palmerston, down oh, in okay. South Island. All right. so about 900 population. About five, uh, 5K south of that is a, a, was a Baptist campsite, and we went and managed that, uh, that campsite there. And uh, we would say that was the time when God spoke to us and uh, sent us to Baptist Theological College in Auckland. So that was around 86 we went to Baptist Theological College. Uh, I've got two daughters. Um, one is uh, now we're missionaries. They're missionaries in Ecuador for eight, eight years, and now back in New Zealand, running SIM Mission in Auckland. He's the director, mm-hmm. and she does uh, mission towards uh, mission kids. That's her involvement. And my other daughter, the youngest daughter, she's a lawyer in Blenheim and mm-hmm. attending the um, what's the name of the church in there. Nativity Church, Anglican Church in, in Benham. Yeah, so we went to Auckland. I was 46 yes. when I went to Auckland to do my study. I thought you were 46 now. Well, it'd be great, wouldn't it? <laughs> Just about double that. No, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> and so how many years were you a minister of Hukafitu Baptist? We went from college to... What uh, college was this? It was the Baptist Theological College in Auckland. Remira. In Remira. And we went from there to Tukaroa for five years and from Tokoro down to here in uh, 94 and that time. So we're 17 years at Sahagafidu Baptist Church and I retired there two years ago. Yes. From yes. There. Yeah. yes, one last question. Your time at Hukafitu Baptist, what, were, what was the highlight looking back? Was the highlight looking back? Was there one single thing that encouraged you hugely? I think... Um, I think one of the things that encouraged me is people being willing to use their gifts for God. Mm. Uh, there's so much latent 
drifting out there that yeah. needs to be released in the body. And I think uh, looking at people, young and old, particularly young people, who are willing to step out in faith and use the gifts that God's given them, that was um, tremendous at our yeah. farewell. Uh, there must have been about 20, 25 young people stood up there and just witnessed to, wow. you know, to that in their lives. And that's exciting. Wow. Uh, they're growing in God and using their giftings. And yeah. I find that's tremendously exciting. All, all the other stuff powers and significance. Sure. You know, it's, uh, it's good and it's bad, isn't yes, it, from yes. time to time? But that's oh, yeah. the body. Yep. Yeah. 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 You are saying things before that um, being a ministry has more to do with us, really. God is developing us as as his people, whether it's mission, whether it's ministry from the pulpit, uh, God is developing us mm. into the kind of people he wants us to be. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. I'd like to pray for you before yeah, sure. you speak to us. Yeah. Our Father, thank you for Roger and Avis. Thank you for their ministry these long many years. Thank you for equipping them. And thank you for the many souls that you have saved through them and through their ministry people whom you've encouraged, people whom you've healed. Lord, we bless them to you. And Father, we now would pray that you speak through Roger, that you anoint him, that you empower him. You who have given him this word to speak, Lord, speak through him, we pray. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Roger. Well, Luke's Gospel, chapter 4. 1 to 13, if you'd like to open up your, your Bibles to that, uh, that text. This is well known to you, you've probably been taught it and from the very Sunday school days. Which I can probably turn this mic off, can't I, because it's one in front of me. So I'll turn that one off. That was not on? The, oh, okay, it's off anyway, so there we go. Okay, there we go. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world, and he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendour, for it has been given to me. Neither can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, to guide you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered, It says, Do not put your Lord God to the test. When the devil had finished, all this tempting left him until the opportune time. A story to start. Men who, I don't even know this, you may know this, but men who trap animals in Africa for zoos Particularly zoos in the United States of America say the hardest animal to catch is the ring-tailed monkey. For the Zulus of that continent, however, it is very simple. They've been catching that agile animal for years with great ease. See, the method that Zulu use is based on the knowledge of the animal. And their trap 
is nothing more than a melon growing on a vine. You see, the seeds of the melon are the favourite for the monkey. And knowing this, the Zulu simply cut a hole in the melon, just large enough for the monkey to insert his hand to reach out, grab the seeds inside. And so the monkey will stick his hand in and grab as many seeds as he can, then start to withdraw it. This he can't do. Because now his fist is larger than the hole. And the monkey will pull and the monkey will tug and he will screech and he will fight the melon for hours, but he can't get free of the trap unless he gives up the seeds, which he refuses to do. And so in the meantime, the Zulus will sneak up and grab him. Today, we hit the first week of Lent. Sundays are counted within 40 days of Lent. Not counted within 40 days of Lent because each Sunday is like a little Easter for us. Each Sunday we celebrate together the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so today we celebrate that by looking into how Jesus fought off temptation. Now you know this about the synoptic Gospels. That's Matthew, Mark and Luke. And so in these Gospels, immediately after Jesus has been baptised, after this spiritual high that he is on, he's led off into the wilderness to be tempted. And there you know he fasts for 40 days, so we have the 40 days of Lent. And in these 40 days he's tempted by the devil. He's offered food, he's offered power, he's offered glory, and he denies it all. And so that says to me, and we need to realise this today, that temptation is real. And temptation is always present in front of us. And in a society that wants what it wants now, it makes it even more present. You say today we're surrounded by opportunities and times that we can feel hopeless in pursuit of all these things. The temptation of Jesus was a was for a purpose, I think. The purpose for distracting him from his ultimate goal and purpose in life. His ultimate goal and purpose of life was to go to the cross as an atoning sacrifice for humankind. And Satan's intent in the wilderness was to defeat God's purpose for Jesus. And the means that he would use was the temptation that he faced. And you know, the very name Satan means adversary or the one who opposes. Now, just as God had a special goal and a special purpose for Jesus, I believe he has a specific goal and purpose for his church and for each one of us within that church. And Satan's intention is to cause the church and therefore every individual to deviate from the destiny that God has for each one of us. And so doing he will thwart the will and the design of God. See, over my years of ministry, I believe that God has two specific goals for your life. The first is this, to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ in this life. And the second goal is to be brought safely into God's kingdom at the end of this life. When this life is over, that you and I will inherit eternal life. And so the first goal means that God wants our lives to be lived so that we can reflect the actions and the personality of Jesus Christ. Romans 8 verse 
29 we read, For those God foreknew he also predestined to be what? To be conformed to the image of his Son. So you and I are to be conformed into the image of his Son. And the second goal is summed up in Paul's second letter to Timothy, where Paul says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is stored for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And so you can see here that the destiny that we all share is the cross. And the finish line of death with those words of Paul ringing in our ears, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Now anything that has power to lure us away and distract us from that goal is temptation. Or to put it another way, temptation is that persuasive attraction that causes us to centre our lives on something other than God's will and God's purpose for our lives. And so if you and I surrender to that attraction, the result is sin and ruin. And so as I see it, temptation at its core is something that pulls us away from God. When we fall into temptation, we give into sin, we are moving away from God. And so we say, it's only a little something to drink. It's just a nightcap. It's only one website. It's only one more. Perhaps 10k over an hour, over the hour speed limit. So one night with somebody else and we slip into what is tempting when we rationalise and build up excuses that make us feel better. But we end up at the same place every time. See, we live in the world where nothing is our fault. Remember years ago, I was still in the ministry then and uh, the Baptists were running these catered conferences in Auckland. There were church management conferences in Auckland. And if you got your registration in in time, then you'd get quite a heavy subsidy uh, to attend the conference. And so I had the opportunity to go. So I filled my foreman well in time, put it in the post and sent it off. Never heard anything more. As the days got closer and closer, I wanted to know whether I had the the subsidy or not, because this thing costs over about $700 to attend. They said, we haven't received your application, your registration. But what on earth is going on here? And suddenly it was returned. Uh, suddenly it got to walk and they said they had found it, but it had gone via Christchurch. And so at that time I had missed out on the subsidy and so I rang up the post office and said, what on earth had happened? Oh, it got stuck in the, uh, in the mailbag and went down to a different city. I said, but hang on a minute. You know, that wasn't my fault. And I miss out on the subsidy. I said, well, it's not our fault either. See, everybody is not accountable anymore, are they? Fortunately, I was able to get a, a subsidy for that, that conference. But today we watch our politicians, Watch, watch our celebrities playing word games and wiggle themselves out of being held accountable for their actions. And with that kind of thinking that 
permeates everything we do so we can say that temptation is all around us, that's sure, but we're not accountable for giving into it. But from our text this afternoon we can see three types of temptation that Satan uses to derail Christ and to derail the purpose that God has for him. And in looking into that I believe we can expect similar temptations that are upon us. And so we're going to need to be prepared for the attack when it comes. And we do so by looking at how Jesus overcame those temptations. And so the first avenue that Satan uses, as I said in text this, morning, this afternoon, is that he tempted Jesus through his physical appetite. He says to him, if you are the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus' purpose was to go to the cross. Now if he begins to give in to his appetites at the beginning of his ministry, he would never ever have that self-denial required to face that ultimate torment on the cross and he would have lost his goal of life and this is the most powerful temptation that still faces us today God has given us incentives that sustain life he's given us appetites for food for sleep, for sex etc, all these things come from God but the temptation of sin comes when, we, when those appetites shift our focus away from our goal of existence. How many politicians do you know of who have gone into politics and we see them as future leaders of our nation only to fall to power and to sex? These appetites that God has given us are powerful. The second temptation, as I see here, is to take some kind of moral shortcut. In verses 5 and 7, the devil led him up to a high place and showed him an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give you all their authority and splendour because it is given to me and I give it to anyone I want. So if you worship me, it will be yours. Now the destiny of Jesus is that one day he will rule over all the kingdoms of the earth by way of the glory and the power through the cross. You remember after resurrection Jesus appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus and he reminds them, did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter into his glory? So Satan said to Jesus, You don't have to go to the cross. I'll give it to you right now. He says the same thing to you and I. He lures us with a belief that we can attain our God-given goals through ungodly shortcuts. And he still offers us a life without the cross. But there is no such thing as a crossless Christianity. Remember when Avis and I left uh, Palmerston South and headed to Auckland. We were heading off in this great adventure with God to end up being in pastoral ministry. It was exciting times. And as the Presbyterian minister, we used to meet every Friday for prayer and, and just talk about things. He laid this prophecy over me as we left and said, 
God will give you a cup of suffering. Wow. Isn't that a bit of a downer? You know, when you're heading off into this great adventure with God, to be told he's going to give you a cup of suffering. But as I kind of think about what happened over that period of time, those things did happen. I took two teenagers from Palmerston South from a school of, what was it, 100, 300, to Auckland, which was mainly a school of of Europeans in South, to a school of nearly 1,000 where they were in the minority. And they had to get jobs to survive. We didn't have the money. Can you imagine the pressure that was put on two teenage daughters? And I still remember to this day how, how one of my daughters pushed my button so hard that I put my fist in her face. She got me so angry. And I remember sharing this and we always had to do chapels at, at, at college. It was my time to do, to do chapel. And I remember sharing my journey and talking about this, this frustration, saying to God, Why? One of my theological New Testament professors came up and said, Roger, I need to ask why not. Because part of the cross, part of the journey that Jesus went through was suffering. He doesn't offer us an easy journey because he's developing and changing us with the experiences he, he gives to us. There's no such thing as a... As, as, as a a life of faith that does not have suffering or the cross within it. Satan will offer us an easy journey, an easy life. The third thing I see in here is the disguise of religion. Christ is tempted to focus attention on himself rather than give it to God. The devil led him to Jerusalem, had him stand on the highest point of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, Throw yourself down for here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Now the appeal today as I observe the church is to gather a following through doing something spectacular to impress and influence people. What that is, is unbelief masquerading as faith itself. The only way to accomplish my spiritual purpose and your spiritual purpose, they say, is to appeal to people's cravings for the spectacular and to the entertainment. And if there's one temptation I think the church faces though, I'd say it's this. Instead of fulfilling our purpose to make disciples of all nations through the message of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, What the church seems to be doing, if you observe it, is to compete in the arena of entertainment. Whatever the secular world is trying to offer people, we are trying to offer a spiritualised version of that to them. Now don't get me wrong, I, I, I believe that it's fine for church to offer times of fellowship and times when you have sports teams and fun activities for the whole family. But the problem is that the church seems to be captivated by this entertainment culture. We've decided that we can reach people through the message of entertainment rather than offer them 
Jesus. Rather than offering them the cross right from the get-go. And as a result, those who are attracted to this entertainment message become disloyal. And so they church hop from one experience to another. Rather than producing the values of the person of Jesus Christ in their life. Now yesterday my wife and I went to the Mana bookstore and I was looking around the, on the table there was a commentary to Luke's Gospel that took my eye. I opened it at our text and I read, read this quote from this author. He said, Jesus did not see Satan. He heard his voice. And it was his voice that led him to the high place. It was his voice that led him to Jerusalem and that voice was in his head. Now whether you agree with that or not, there is a truth here. Temptation has its roots in our mind. It's about the things that we think about. Physical appetites, moral decisions, self-centeredness are in our minds. The mind is a fertile territory for Satan. Let's read what it says in Colossians chapter 3, 1 to 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you have died and your life is now hidden in Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also appear with him in glory. See, how are we, how are we tempted? How are we to practically counter the temptations that we face daily on a daily basis? Jesus dealt with each of those temptations by reorientating his life through God's word. Temptation focuses on the moment and not the consequences. And temptation is a way Satan has of blinding, of blinding us to God's goal by blotting out everything except the now. We're living in a now generation, aren't we? How can I have pleasure now? How will this satisfy me now? But God's word as we look at it refocuses us on his ultimate intention for our life. Soren Kierkegaard said that I've learned to define my life backwards and live it forwards. That means he defined his life by the goal and then moved towards it. Jesus Christ the one who conquers temptation lives in each one of us. And so now you and I have a supernatural means of resisting the voice of temptation. And so Lent is a good time to refocus and to ask the questions, have we lost our focus? Have we lost our focus on the goal and the destiny that God has for each one of us? Has the satisfying of our appetites derailed our focus on God? Has temptation allowed us to take some kind of moral shortcut which removes our focus from God onto our business life, onto our relationships? Have we been swallowed up by the focus of our culture on the spectacle and the entertainment? 
Now I know this quotes the story is going to date me, and might not be many of you here who have seen this movie, but some of you might have. It's the movie called The Bridge Over the River Kwai. Does date you? Nobody's heard of that. Oh, look at that. That lovely to see some faithful ones who know that. Yeah. It's about a British colonel and his men who were captured by the Japanese during World War Two. The Japanese commander in the prison camp required this Colonel Nicholson and his troops to build a railroad bridge over the River Kwai. And Nick, Colonel Nicholson refused to help the Japanese because they were violating the Geneva Convention that declared that officers are not required to do manual labour. Ultimately he wins his point. And then he throws himself in constructing this bridge that will ultimately lift the Japanese forces to Rangoon. Now his soldiers can't understand what he's doing and begin to ask, has the colonel lost his mind? And in this movie, Nicholson and the Japanese commander are walking along the bridge. Both men are proud and pleased with themselves. But the water has gone down on the pilings and and timbers and Nicholson sees wires that his men have strung strung charges to to destroy the bridge. And so he climbs down, begins to cut the wires leading to the explosives and his own men try to stab him and stop him. In the course of the struggle, the man is knifed and with his last breath he asks Nicholson, are you out of your mind? Now Nicholson is mortally wounded, seems to have a moment of clarity and asks, my God, he says, what have I done? And he slumps over the detonator and destroys the bridge. He lost his focus. He has forgotten the ultimate purpose of why he was a soldier in the first place, why he was fighting this war. And the season of Lent that you're in at the moment is a time for self-reflection. It's a time to probe deep within ourselves to get to the core of who we are and again discover our true purpose in life. Folk, there's only one person who has stared temptation in the eye and seen it packing. There is only one person who is able to keep his eyes on the prize not given to the immediate satisfaction of it all and that man has the power in our lives to allow us to overcome temptation and Lent is a time where you and I can be honest with God and ourselves. It's a time to focus on the broader picture. You and I are people of purpose. God has given us a plan and a purpose of our lives. Purpose to be the people of God here in Palmerston North. People who put God first. Amen. Let's pray together. God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your word. We thank you, O God, that's here for our instruction and correction, the building up of our lives. We thank you for this period of Lent when we can re-examine ourselves again along the purpose and the goal you have for us to live. And Father, we realise and confess before you there's so many things going on out there that cause us, us to stumble in that journey. And so Father, I pray this day that all of us again will seek the strength and the power that is within us to stand and face the enemy and tell him to flee. 
and to become strong believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you that every day you pour your grace and your mercy into our lives. And we bless you this day for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.